Greetings and welcome to The People Factor. I'm your host, Jane Turville. Health and poverty. The more I look into how these two are interconnected, the more I understand how big the impact poverty is when it comes to people's health. Not only physical health, but mental and emotional health. We have millions of people on this planet who have no chance of being consistently healthy in any respect directly because of poverty. They have no consistent access to healthy foods that feed not only the body, but the mind. Safe, stable housing just isn't available to them. Sometimes because it isn't there, but other times because prejudices, racism, and other tribal norms stand firm to create barriers for people just because of who they are. Linked into housing is all-important sleep, proper, consistent sleep, the kind that gives us the ability to cope when lack of the components required for health are reduced. Poverty works on our minds, making us focus and tunnel, decreasing cognitive function and executive function in our brains. So when we go back and look at this idea of the dependency ratio, which determines when population numbers are balanced, we can't really use the traditional definitions that guide this idea. So let's refresh our memories a minute. The dependency ratio is the measure of the number of dependents aged 0 to 14 and over the age of 65 compared with the total population aged 15 to 64, or those who are considered at an age to earn money to live. A balanced population is one where the dependency ratio is imbalanced, which means that there are enough people in an area that are working to cover not only their own needs, but also those of the people who can't provide for themselves. And as Dr. Rachel Nugent pointed out in our discussion with her in Season 1, Episode 33, It also requires that there are enough jobs that pay a living wage in order for populations to attain a reasonable dependency ratio. I would have to argue that there also have to be enough healthy people to do this work and that we shouldn't just base the dependency ratio on age alone. We have to include health. Are there enough healthy people in a population to earn enough in a good paying job to take care of themselves and those who cannot work, whether they can't work because of their age or because of their health? I think that gives a much clearer picture of human circumstances at present. And I think it is a solid argument for taking care of the people already here on this planet rather than promoting the addition of more people. And remember, this doesn't remotely take into account the cost of natural resources and environmental degradation that our planet endures solely for our comfort. While I could go on for many, many, many more episodes discussing the interwoven tapestry of health and poverty, and we will keep diving back into health as an issue as we carry on um, looking at what's required for someone to be a provider, I wanted to end this section with a quick review of our last two episodes that featured Beth Jarrett's and her research that went into writing 
Losing Ground, an examination of well-being for today's young American women in comparison to their mother's and grandmother's well-being when they were the same age. Beth had a sentence in her interview which really resonated with me. She said, things can improve, but can still be bad. She was talking about consistent, persistent gender inequality. But I think we can expand this sentence to cover many areas. Racism. Our healthcare system here in the United States. Access to jobs and access to education. I think the list can really go on. I also think these words sum up human population growth on our planet. We are seeing a slowing down of population growth in many countries, including some who have made major shifts in their population numbers and are hopefully moving toward what is known as the demographic dividend. And this, quickly defined, is the growth in an economy that is the result of change in the age structure of a country's population. But we still have a long way to go to balance population growth to a point where Earth's natural systems can stabilize while still meet the needs of our modern societies. And to be honest, I don't think we can do this if we define modern societies as those currently experienced by industrialized nations. We still have rampant racism and nationalism that keeps people in refugee camps and decreases the ability of immigrants to thrive. Part of balancing population is to have a good dependency ratio, and that depends on immigration. And a good dependency ratio often leads to demographic dividends. But humans aren't there yet, and so calls for population growth and fears of reductions in population remain. This leads me into some of the other comments made by Beth that really stuck with me. When talking about the struggle she had to find data on black women in the 1950s through the 1990s, she said, who we collect data on reflects who we value. That is so true, isn't it? Where we place our focus and the finances to support that focus directly reflects on who we are. So when data isn't found regarding a certain demographic of people, it speaks volumes about us. So when Beth said that the maternal mortality rate for black women is so much higher in this country right now than for white women, it was upsetting to hear, but it wasn't surprising. Also not surprising was the fact that there was no earlier data on black mothers and their babies to compare today's data to. But there are still people out there who decide that they're going to believe some stupid racist assumption. And what happens is we end up with 10 black people dead in a supermarket. We end up with people promoting eugenics, making assumptions about each other that aren't true, but are based on what we believe. And that's usually influenced by the tribe we identify with. So it's this vicious circle of assumptions and beliefs and no data to really support the actual truth because we just didn't care enough to get that data. All I can say to this is that calling for increasing population, whether it is increasing the general population or specifically aimed at one set of people, when data shows that we are not willing to take care of a mother and a child because of the color of their skin, that to me is criminal and at its heart evil. 
We have to pull back the curtains on this, expose this injustice, and just plain start taking care of people because they are people and they need our help. And it all comes back to health, specifically weeding out prejudice and racism embedded in the healthcare system. But change on this scale means more than just changing one economic sector. It means addressing injustice in all of the social determinants of health, in food, housing, education, jobs. All of this is linked to health, and all of it links back to good supportive care for that black mother and her newborn baby. For those who are interested in population growth, whether you're for increasing population or not, start here with this mother and baby not with big generalized statements that don't remotely address what happens to so many people that are here on the planet. So many whose answers to the questions, who am I and how do I fit in, are totally constricted by prejudice and poverty. Next week, we'll start looking at access to education, that second component needed for someone to be an effective provider. Because if you're healthy, but you don't have the skills or knowledge to do the work that brings in a good wage, then providing for yourself may be as far as your ability to provide actually goes. And that is not a balanced ratio. We'll get into it deeper next week, but until then, have a wonderful week, and to all my friends here in America, have a safe and restful Memorial Day weekend. And as we all go out into the summer sun this week, remember to take care of yourself and take care of each other. Have a great week. 